Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Um, I got a question for you as we begin the summer. Have you ever been promised something? Have you ever been promised something, but whatever it is, in the end, it did not deliver on that promise? Have you ever had hope in something, promised of of how good it was going to be, but in the end, it didn't deliver on the promise? Maybe this is how I'll talk about it. Have you ever seen a commercial or an ad online, and when you saw that ad, you're like, this is exactly what I need. I mean, they did the commercial so well, and you're like, this is what I need. And so you buy it, you order it, it comes in the mail, and when you get it, you open it, you begin to use it, and you realize there's a problem. You realize there's a reason it was on sale. You realize why it was cheaper than the other products. Has that ever happened to you? I've bought some pretty stupid things online before. I mean, you know me. You shouldn't be surprised. But I brought some things maybe I thought would look good on me. Thought maybe, uh, uh, maybe they would help me get in shape. You know, maybe some technology things. or some things that, that Amber and the kids still make fun of me about because I had no business buying these things. And just in the end, it was a waste. Have you ever done that before? You're like, this is what I need. It didn't end up being everything I needed. Or maybe that wasn't you. But have you ever seen the online trend that says uh, what I got, I mean what I bought versus what I got? Have you ever seen that online? What I bought versus what I got. You've seen that? In case you haven't seen it, I think I got a few examples here. (laughs) Have you seen this before? What I bought versus what I got. A little bit of a letdown. I think I got another one. I think I got another one. Not exactly what they thought. There, I think there's a third one. I think there's a third one. Not quite what was advertised. What I bought. The promise of what I thought it was going to be versus what I got. I don't know if that's been you before, but I do know that whether it's something you've bought online, did something stupid like Pastor Scott, or Maybe for you, it's you had the promise of something being everything you hoped it would be, but it just under-delivered. I want you to think about that thought. I want you to keep that idea in your mind all summer long, okay? This is what the theme kind of what we're going to talk about for the next couple of months. I, I wanna, what I want to talk about this summer is how sometimes... Sometimes our faith in Jesus has under-delivered in what we thought it would bring. Now, you may be surprised. How is Pastor Scott saying this? This is not the sentence I expect him to bring, but hear me out. For some of you, what you thought life would be like after you professed faith in Jesus didn't play out as you expected. There's such hope when you profess faith in Jesus, but then there's still struggle. There's such hope in your faith in Jesus, but there's still let down. 
There's such hope. But life doesn't seem to be any different than it was before. There's such hope. So does professing faith in Jesus actually change much about our life? Now the answer to that question is sometimes yes and sometimes no. The answer to that question is sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It all depends how we walk out that faith. Just because we say we have a faith in Jesus doesn't automatically mean that things actually change in how we walk out our life. No, the truth is it should. The truth is it should be the most impactful thing we ever decide to do in our life. But sometimes, because how we live out our faith we don't actually see much of a difference post our committing our life or believing in Jesus. Which leads me to the question I want us to wrestle with for the next several weeks. How can we have a faith in Jesus that goes beyond a decision in a moment to a place where it infiltrates every aspect of our lives? How can we have a faith in Jesus that goes beyond the moment, you know what I'm talking about, that goes beyond the moment to a place where it infiltrates every aspect of our lives? How can we have a faith that actually works for our everyday life? How can we actually have a faith that is beyond a decision and begins to infiltrate, begins to be part of every aspect all day every day. This is what I want to talk about this summer. I want to push us. I want to push us on this idea of, of faith not being just a, a word that describes a belief that we have. Because sometimes that's what happens. Our faith can be lowered to just being a belief that we have. When we come to a belief in Jesus, our faith can be about a moment or our faith can be about a statement that we made. But the problem is, our faith was never meant to be a statement that we made, but a way of life. And sometimes this is why our faith doesn't measure up to what we expected it to do in our lives. Because our faith was never meant to be a statement we made, but a way of life. See, when you have faith in something, or someone in this case, our lives are supposed to change dramatically. Listen, our values are supposed to change. Our habits are supposed to change. The reason we wake up in the morning is supposed to change. How we talk to each other is supposed to change. 
how, how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we view the world is supposed to change. How we walk through struggles is supposed to change. How we pray is supposed to change. What you're willing to sacrifice or surrender to is supposed to change. What you say yes to or no to are attitudes. How much you think about yourself versus other people. These are things that change when you say you have faith in Jesus. Life changes because faith is more than a statement of belief. It's supposed to impact, infiltrate every aspect of our life. And this is what I want to wrestle with this summer. I want the truth of this to change, to, to impact every facet of our lives, to change our lives like it did a man that we're going to read from all summer long. This man that we're going to learn from is Jesus' brother, James. Did you know Jesus had a brother? Did you know Jesus had a brother? After Mary, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph actually had other kids. And one of those kids was a guy named James. Now, imagine being James. Have you ever thought about life as James? I don't know if you grew up in favoritism in your home at all, okay? But imagine being James. Your parents believe your brother's the greatest thing that ever came to this earth. Right? Imagine being James. Your parents believe that eternity rises and falls on your brother. Has anybody, don't raise your hands. Have you ever had favoritism in the home? Maybe you are the one that's favored. I tell my mom I'm the favorite child all the time. I figure I say it enough, she'll believe it, right? Favoritism. Ha Imagine being James. Scripture says actually that, uh, the gospel tells that Jesus' uh, siblings actually really struggled with this, believing was Jesus actually the Messiah. It wasn't until the resurrection of Jesus that James actually believe in who Jesus was. And I want to pause there for a second because maybe someone needs that encouragement today. Thinking about the idea of James's brother didn't even believe who Jesus was until after the resurrection. And maybe someone needs to be encouraged today because I was talking to a buddy this week about James. He says, Scott, you know what? James is kind of an encouragement to me because he was right there in the home of Jesus. Imagine the story, that stories they had, and James struggled with belief. That maybe someone needs to be encouraged today, that if James struggled with the truth of this, that maybe there is patience and flexibility and grace, that maybe God understands that this can be a struggle and belief is not super easy all the time, but there was grace and patience in James. Because listen, when the resurrection of Jesus happened, things changed for James. When the resurrection of Jesus happened, James's life was changed forever. Once his faith in Jesus became a reality of who he was, his life was transformed. James went from 
unsure, maybe unbelieving, kind of the doubting stuff, to he was all in. He was one of the first people um, in Christianity because he's part of the upper room when they were praying. For after Jesus left, there they are in the upper room, they're praying. James is there. They're praying for the move of God to happen. Whatever Jesus started, he wanted to be a part of it. See, James's life was changed. Who he was was not the same. His faith was transformed, which meant how he lived life was transformed. See, his faith wasn't just a statement from his mouth. His whole life became a faith statement. And what he does is he writes a letter. What he does is he writes to new believers in Jesus. What James does is he writes a letter to help people understand this is how faith can play out in our lives. This is how life can be lived when you follow Jesus. There are things that are going to change in us. There are things that can be transformed. What we walk through and how we walk through it will change when you have a faith in Jesus. And so James's life was changed. And he writes a letter to say, your life can change as well. And so we're going to walk through his words for the next several weeks. We're going to walk through the words of James, the brother of Jesus, who, 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 who intimately knew how life could be lived. He intimately knew what life could be lived like when you go from faithless to faith-filled. And so today we're going to jump in, James chapter 1. So you got your Bibles. We're going to jump in. And we haven't done this before. Um, I haven't done this with before, walked through a whole um, letter of the Bible, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to start right in the beginning, James chapter 1. So let me read it for you. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? I gave you context. He doesn't say, a servant of God and my brother. Like, he recognizes, respects. He understands who Jesus is. He's the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, people throughout the world. I'm writing this. A lot of the letters in the New Testament are written to specific churches. This is just written to Christians just like you and I. He says, greetings. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and to be given to you. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and un uh, unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in high position, since they'll pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Now, 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having uh, stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Now when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is uh, is tempted when they are dragged away from their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So here's James, okay? I gave you context of James. You can see kind of a little bit who James is. We'll continue in that conversation because I want it to be personal to you. You know, when we read scripture here, I want you to leave your seat. I want you to imagine what it's like to be James. I want you to imagine who he's writing to. I want you to imagine these people receiving these let- this letter. And James, what he's doing, he's all in on helping them. Find a way to live out their faith in a way that works. If I was to sum up this part of chapter one, it would be something simple like this. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, life is not going to be easy. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, life is not going to be easy, so you need to live out your faith. So in order to live out your faith, you need to change how you view life and how you view God. If you're going to live out your faith in the way it needs to, you need to change your view, your outlook on life, and your view of God. So remember, James is speaking to new followers of Jesus. Now, context again, these followers don't have examples of how life should be lived. You need to remember, they are not you. I would imagine most people in this room, you had examples of what being a follower of Jesus looked like. You have family, you have the church, you, you've watched something, you've been around some people, like you have grown up, maybe your ancestors, you, you, you have deep roots of faith. On some level, you have had an example of how life should and should not be lived. These people do not have that. The church is brand new. Most of these people have gone from Jewish believing to now they're believing in Jesus. Maybe they're, they're Gentiles and, and they're believing in Jesus, but they, they don't have an example of this. And so James grew up, has intimate knowledge of how Jesus approached life. And now he's trying to pass on this picture to these people. And so right away, he's helping them understand. To follow Jesus is not going to be easy. Life is going to feel like it's against you. Now, I know I push on this, and I don't want to be a broken record, but when you're reading a text, you have to read it understanding how the readers originally would have read. Do you get their life and how hard it is? You understand, if you, you have much knowledge of Scripture at all, you know, like, these early followers didn't have it easy. In order to be a follower of Jesus, life is going to be hard. You better be ready to be persecuted. You may have to give your life for this. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, 
The trials you're going to face are like your family may disown you. The trials you may face will be people like you're last in line always. You will be taken advantage of. People are going to be verbally and sometimes physically like against you. You're going to lose a lot. This is very personal as he writes this, that you are going to go through trials. It wasn't an if situation. But you're going to go through these trials. To be a follower of Jesus is to expect these hard days, but that doesn't mean you can't overcome. That doesn't mean that there isn't good that can come out of that. See, when I read the words of James, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm oh God, how, how do I view this text this week? It, it's reminding me that in life, that what happens is either going to pull or push us. Our trials and temptations are either going to pull us away from or push us towards what God is trying to produce in us. You can't avoid trials, and these trials are either going to pull us away from God or they're going to push us towards what he's trying to produce in each and every one of us. So as we kick this series off, that's what I want to look at. I just want to take the words of James, and I want to look at this, because I think everyone this morning understands trials and temptations. I think every one of us understands you've either been through, you're going to go through, or right now you are in the middle of something. If you and I were one-on-one -on -one talking and I asked you, what are you going through right now? We're all carrying some sort of, of battle, some sort of trial, some sort of temptation is trying to get a hold of us. It's just a way of life. But what I want to remind you is how we walk through our trials and temptations shows us what our faith is really in. It reminds me of, of Jesus. He's on the side of a mountain and he's speaking to people. We know this topic as the Sermon on the Mount. He gives them whole ideas of, 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 of how to live this life. And if you remember Matthew chapter 7 at the end, it's just so important to us to remember. Jesus says, the wise person takes what my teachings are and he builds life on this. He puts his faith in this. And Jesus says, when the storms come, you'll understand what your life is built on. When trials, when sufferings, when temptations, when the, when the storms of life come, you are going to understand what your faith is built on. If it is built on Jesus, who he is, what he's called us to, that what he has done, this, this, this life of following him, if it is built on this, when these trials, these storms come, you're going to be okay. It's going to be tough. It doesn't take away the storm you're going to be able to get through it. But if you've built it on something else, you're going to be demolished. So here's James. He didn't use these words, but he, you know he understands Jesus' teaching. Like, what is your house built on? I think James is reminding us to let 
our faith get to work. Let our faith change how we view these hard times. Because when we change our view on these hard times, then our Faith can begin to work in the way it was supposed to work and it can create what it was supposed to create because these times can actually produce something good in our life. Imagine James writing this to people who are really wrestling in life. Imagine James writing it to you. Is there anything you're wrestling with in life? You know that trials and temptations don't always lead to the same result, right? How we approach those hard times in our life can change the results. I said before that I think these trials and temptations do one of two things. They pull us um, away from God or they push us towards uh, towards what God has for us. This is what I'll say about trials in the, this first part of the text. I think trials either pull us away from, what, from God to do things our own way, or they push us to lean into a strength that we don't have in ourselves. Your trials you're going through right now, your hard moments you're going through right now can either, will either pull you away from God so you can go, I gotta do this myself. I'm the only one I can trust. I've been through this before. I've been through good days. I've been through bad days and I can fight my way through this again. It can either pull us away from God and say, I've got this. Or it can push us to lean into a strength that we don't have in ourselves. It can go either way. Trials pull us or they push us. And then what does James say? If our faith pushes us, it begins to produce some things. James says if your faith begins to work out, it pushes us into perseverance, it says. It pushes us into something. And what is the end result? It says you'll be mature and you'll be lacking nothing. James is saying if you change your view on this, your faith and how you walk through this will produce something in your life. so that you lack nothing. See, trials, I don't believe they're always from God. I'll let it to be sometimes they are. But every time I go through a storm doesn't mean that they're always from God. But I do believe that God uses all of these moments to do something in us for the next that's why James says we need to view this. Imagine how silly it sounds if you can picture how they're living. And he says, listen, consider it pure joy. Consider it a blessing. 
When you go through these things, can you imagine being, I know a lot of you've heard this before. So to you, okay, yeah, we're going back to this. But imagine reading this for the first time. You want my faith in Jesus to change how I walk through the worst moments of my life? But that's what can happen when our faith gets to working that the hardest moments can be some of the best moments because you know that God is at work in your life in a special, unique way. James wants us to view trials through the lens of faith. Not through our own instinctive lens. He wants us to view trials through a lens of faith. And when we can view our trials as a gift from God, then we will approach our trials in a completely different way. We'll view them not as we did, but now with a faith lens. And, and James isn't the only one who says this. Paul speaks these kind of words as well. One of my favorite verses I read to myself constantly, especially during the tougher days. Romans chapter 5, Paul says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It's the same word. Perseverance then produces character, and character, hope. Paul knows what James knows that you and I need to know that we are going to face trials. You're in the middle of something probably right now, but it's in this moment we get to see what kind of faith we have. Do we trust God that he knows what he's doing and he's going to use what's going on in my life to produce something good for me? See, what I think God wants to do is he wants us not to pull away we wants us to lean in and when we lean in and we walk through these trials through faith through thinking that God is with us it produces the character of Jesus in us this is I think the lacking nothing James is saying you won't lack Anything, because you're going to be building up this character of Jesus. And it's almost like the hope that Paul talks about, that you can walk through anything in life. It's maturing something in you. So you don't miss out on what you need. James is speaking to those followers. He's speaking to us. He says, change how you view trials change how you view them. Let your faith in Jesus change how you view the hardest moments in your life. And it's in this that something amazing can actually happen through it. But when we don't change our perspective, we then maybe are going to miss out on what God is trying to produce in us. And James wants their faith in him to change how they walk through the hardest moments. Now, he's not done. He says, okay, this is how I want you to walk through trials, but he also says there are going to be temptations, and temptations and trials are different, right? Trials and temptations are different. Trials are, are, are something that's a circumstance that's big in our life and is trying to pull us away from God and put it all on us that we have to get through this ourselves. We have to be strong enough ourselves. We have to do it. 
temptations, what it's doing is trying to pull us away from God's best for us. Temptation is trying to tempt us with something that is not God's best to us. And so temptations can do one of two things. It can pull us away from God's best or it can push us to submit our desires to Jesus. It can pull us away or it can push us. What is our house built on when it comes to living in temptations in our life? Now, if you're me, you probably say, well, it depends on the temptation, depends on what day, right? Like, temptations and our ability to, to overcome them sometimes can come and go as the days, and depending how big the temptations are, like, this is tough. It, it's the human condition. And James, understand this, he is, he is human, he gets it, but what I think he wants us to see is that when temptations come into play, first, they're not from Jesus. The temptations we go through are not from Jesus trying to destroy you. But they can push us to a deeper faith in Jesus. Will we be dragged away? That's what it says, dragged away by our evil desires. Or will we live in faith and say, I'm going to submit this to you. Trials are really hard. Circumstances are bigger than us. But temptations can be overwhelming as well. And we've got a choice. Do we let our instincts and our brokenness drag us away? Or do they push us into saying, God, I submit my desires to you? Do we follow him or do we follow our desires? It's just like trials. How we approach temptations will vastly change how the results play out in our life. Paul talked about trials, suffering. Paul talks about temptations as well. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Jesus does not leave you to defend yourself in temptations. Temptations by design are to target the areas that are weakest to you so they can pull you away from God's best. You don't have the strength in yourself to overcome temptations because these temptations are designed specifically for you and your weaknesses. But Paul reminds us, but God always helps you find a way out. He's always there fighting for you and with you. The question is, will your faith in Jesus lead you to submit your desires to him? Or will you be dragged away by those temptations, those desires? Which goes back to the way I began today. If you forget where I started today, I was saying how Scott, we can sometimes say, Scott, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in 
Jesus. But it still often feels like I'm living the same way. I used to. I keep giving into the same desires. I have hope that my faith in Jesus was going to change the outcome in my life. But here I am giving in over and over and over. Like I'm losing the battle. I thought my faith in Jesus would be enough for me not to have to give into this all the time. Well, my question stands is, well, do we, in your faith, submit yourself? Does your faith in Jesus push you to fight and to ask Jesus to fight with you to submit yourself so you can live in that way out, so you can live in that endurance that Paul talked about? See, I think when it comes to trials, um, God wants to produce the character of Jesus in you. But when it comes to temptation, I think he wants to produce a victory that can only be found in Jesus. He wants to use trials to produce character and to be in the middle of temptations to produce victory. That James is telling us this is what's going to happen. Life is going to be tough. You're not going to be able to avoid trials and temptations. This is, this is ground level to be a follower of Jesus. But does your faith push you to the place that you see trials differently and how you walk through temptations differently because your faith is not just a statement. Your faith is a way of life. That you can have joy in your trials because your faith tells you that, this, that, that God is using them for good in your life. And you can find victory in your temptations because you have a way out that Jesus is going to walk through. You don't have to be drug away in your temptations that produces death. But you can submit yourself and you can find that victory even in your temptations. These people did not have an example of how to live life. And James goes, my my life has been changed. I struggled with the idea of Jesus. He's my brother. I didn't know who he was, but after the resurrection, my faith changed. And my faith wasn't just something I said. My faith led to a faith that worked in my everyday life. That faith wasn't just a part of my life. It became the centerpiece. It became the foundation. It became the thing that was the engine that was, that was making everything tick. Or we go back to the words of Jesus. It is what my life is built on. And sometimes we miss this. Can I push you in a second? If James is talking to you, where is your faith? Has it moved beyond a statement of belief into infiltrating every part of your life? See, how is your faith changing how you walk through trials and temptations? The things that are meant to destroy you. How is your faith changing that? 
What is being produced in you right now? Because you're not pulling away, but you're being pushed to. You're not pulling away and saying, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to follow what's not God's best. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into, I'm going to be pushed into. God, I need you to produce something in me because I don't want my faith to be something that has all these hopes but under-delivers. I don't want my faith to be something I say, but in reality, life is not much different pre-believing in Jesus and post-believing in Jesus. I don't want my life to be that way. I want my, fight, my, my faith to show me, hey, life can be experienced in a different way. So I want James to speak to us this morning. Do you have something you're wrestling with? Is there a trial in your life? You know there's some, life is not easy right now. There's something you're carrying. Is there something you're wrestling with that you feel like you keep losing? And maybe this morning it's like, God, will you raise my faith up in you? beyond just saying I believe in you but I will follow you I believe in the life you have for me I believe that there's something better I believe that you want to work in me that's where I want my faith to be and so you know what we do we close in worship and I want to give you a moment just to wrestle with James's words okay is there something you're carrying and you go, before I leave today, I want to walk out in faith more than I walked in. And maybe that's bringing something to the altars. Maybe that's something in your seat. But as we, we worship, it's like, I know times are going to be tough, but I'm going to believe that you're going to be faithful in my life. You always have, and I think you always will. You change James' life, and I want you to change how I walk through my hardest and most tempting moments. And so as I always do, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. And, and if God wants to speak faith into you, and maybe you need to release something, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond to him. And so will you just pray with me, and we'll go into worship, and I just leave it in your hands. Heavenly Father, you see the battles we're in. You see that your people, the people you love, are carrying some deep weights right now. The trial is too big. And God, I pray today that you remind them that we don't pull away and expect ourselves to do it the way we want to do it or put the weight of it on ourselves. But God, know that we want to be pushed to a strength that we don't have. God, maybe there's some in the room where they know they keep failing and failing and failing. There's just some sort of battle they keep losing to. And God, maybe today they'll realize that they've been pulled away from your best for their life. And, we, and, and God, that they want to desire to be pushed into a submission to you and saying, I don't want to give in to this stuff. Because God, you want to produce in us the character of Jesus, but also a victory we haven't experienced. And so, God, I don't know what people are facing, whether in this room or online today, but I just pray you'd speak to us and we would respond in a way that we say, I trust you 
and I give myself to you even in the things I'm struggling with the most. I want to thank you for James's words. I want to thank you for this reminder today. It's your prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.